You are listening to Late Arrivals, the Anaheim Ducks podcast on the Inside the Rink Network of Podcasts. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 46 of Late Arrivals. It's going to hopefully be a short one. Yeah. We got, we got a lot of questions at the end, but it's the Zegris rookie episode. We have uh, told ourselves we're just going to talk about the coaching news and any other little tangents we go on, and it's going to be about it. Yeah, there's really only, I mean, one big piece of Ducks news, a couple little tiny things, and then other than that, I mean, just the final going on, but really not a whole lot to talk about in that yet, so. Yeah, only two games in, so. It's been kind of a, not horribly exciting, unfortunately, but you know, it's been very <laughs> one-sided. Yeah. Panthers can I, turn it around going back to Miami, but uh, I don't know, man. It's yeah, looking, uh, I, it's looking I, thought I, I thought I saw my boy Eichel die, but he's fine. <laughs> so that's good. He's okay. I live, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the one piece of news we have to talk about is we uh, Pat Verbeek stuck by his word and got his coach before the draft. Yes. Um, Ducks hired. Greg Cronin as the 11th head coach in franchise history. And initially everybody was like, yeah, who, who's this guy? Never heard of him. And yeah, like Connor said on Twitter, you know, Friedman linked him to the ducks way back. And after today's episode of 32 thoughts, it makes a tiny bit more sense. Um, But he was one of those names that was thrown out there just kind of on a whim, just randomly. Um, but, you know, given his press conference and a lot of the articles that have come out, you know, it, it seems like I mean, this is before we see anything on the ice. Um, this seems like kind of the, the perfect need for, for what we're looking for at this point in the rebuild. Yeah. I mean, I like it. He seems intense in a, in a good way. Yeah. Read a thing today talking about how he put, weights on Joe Vitale's stick to keep his stick down on the ice during practice. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of that has come out so far has been, you know, he has a very strong emphasis on keeping guys accountable and, you know, giving them some of that tough love, but doing it in a constructive manner. That's not, you know, in the abusive vein, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to, ride your ass for no reason but at the same time he's going to do it to try and prove a point which mm-hmm. you know having as young a roster as we're going to have in the next couple of seasons uh it feels a very integral thing i kind of look at it as McIlvain in san diego is going to be good cop and if you make it to the big club make it to the big roster you know cronin's going to be bad cop yeah. and I, I think that's going to make for an interesting dynamic having a bunch of young kids that are probably going to, you know, fluctuate and spend time on both sides of, you know, the, the team, whether it's, you know, making the team out of camp and being sent down or vice versa, you know, like there's, there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of this, hopefully. And yeah. Yeah. You know, the more you find out about him, I, it, it, it almost, it, to me, it was like, why wasn't this the guy from the jump? But given the names that were out there up until recently, 
you know, I could see why Pat was a little hesitant to to pull the trigger early, but you know, what, what are we thinking about this? Yeah, and I think I think Verbeek had said in his uh, in his episode of the Beaker after uh, after the Greg Cronin announcement that they had met for that him and Greg Cronin had met for a total of like over fourteen hours just in meetings together. Yeah, uh, you know before before he uh, uh, you know fi- finally made the decision that uh, that Greg was his guy. Yeah, I mean I, I he he was saying all the right things, you know. I, I, referring to greg cronin in his in his press conference in uh you know in the uh in the interview behind the bench that they did with uh uh with kenton gee after after the announcement as well i mean it, it just i liked a lot of the things i was hearing from greg cronin and um you know jay kind of touched on it you know he, he definitely is a hard ass he's got that kind of rough gritty you know old school boston boy mentality but you know from all the accounts that we're hearing is you know he Yes, he's intense. Yes, he's aggressive in a good kind of way. But at the same time, on the flip side, he doesn't sacrifice anything on the um, on the relationship building and the relationship maintaining aspect when it comes to his players. Um, he had a he had a really good bit when he was talking to Kenton Gee uh, on behind the bench after the press conference, and he kind of he kind of went into uh, this whole thing where he's like, you know, over the past couple of years, I've kind of changed the way I approach players, and he's like. I've just started asking players a lot more about who they are as a person before I, before we even talk about hockey, before we even get into anything in practice. He's like, I want to, I want to know my guys on a personal level. And what he said, he's like, you know, I want to, I want to know all their interests. I'm going to know what they like to do. I want to know about their family. I want to know how many kids they have. If they don't have kids, if they got a girlfriend, if they don't, he's like, I want to know what's going on. He's like, so if I'm trying to explain something new to them on the ice or something that they might not be quite getting. He's like, then I can, then I can go to those levels. I can, I can dip into something that we may have in common in our personal lives and try to relate it to that. And it's been something that, um, or Greg Cronin had said that it's been something that he's really added to his coaching style. And he said over the last couple of years, he's seen his player relationships just, just skyrocket in the, in the quality. Um, yeah, and and you know whether it was his 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 comments on, you know, the way you bring up and treat and handle and develop young defensemen, whether it's, um, you know, his comments that he talked about analytics. You know, he's kind of he's kind of this like weird, like he kind of gives you this weird visual aspect where like you hear him talk and you look at him and you're like, there's no way that this dude is like fully on board the analytical train and like there's no way he buys into the advanced metrics of hockey but like no i mean i'm i mean he said cut and dry that he loves the advanced stats part of the game he sees he sees and agrees that they play a big role in the modern game and sees the value in them and says that he integrates a lot of them into his decisions whether it's line of making and you know player systems whatever um yeah you know i mean, I mean of course you don't want to jump the gun on it you, you don't want to jump the gun on any of this, as Jake said, just because, you know, we've yet to see a single game um, of Greg Cronin's coaching yet. But, you know, just from everything we've heard, the couple of things he's talked about with his process, um, Pat Verbeek mentioned uh, as well that he thinks that both uh, Greg Cronin and Matt McElvain's uh, system, coaching styles, and thoughts on just overall development are are all very similar and very aligned so you know it'll it'll be real nice to have that kind of you know same um you know that same mentality in the big club and also um you know in the 
with our with our AHL team, given how much of our young guys are going to be are probably going to be in San Diego next year that Matt McElvain is kind of catering and nurturing. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure we'll hear more um, from and about Greg Cronin over, uh, you know, over the next couple of months as we get, you know, through the draft and for agency, we get a little bit closer to camp. But yeah, I was I was. I was thoroughly impressed with everything we had heard of uh, from Greg Cronin. You know, I was, I was kind of yeah. like the majority, you know, I was, I was familiar with him just because like Jake touched on, you know, Friedman was, I mean, I, I, I know I was the one that, that said it on Twitter, but I, I think he was the first ever name once it got, um, you know, once it came out that Aikens wouldn't be returning. Um, and that's what he said on 32 thoughts. This yeah. Morning. Yeah. It was the first name that Friedman like, I mean, everybody knows how Friedman, you know, he does this whole, oh, I wonder about, you know, he does this whole wondering thing. So yeah, like, yeah. It, at that point, you know, I mean, this is now what, maybe two, two and a half months ago that we didn't, or that we got confirmation that the Ducks are going to have a new coach next year. Um, yeah, it was like late April. Yeah. yeah, he was, he was doing his whole wondering thing, but, you know, I just, I just found it funny that, you know, he was wondering about the fit and he, and Friedman saw a fit there, thought it made sense. And then, you know, here we go about, you know, a month and a half, two months later, full circle and Greg Cronin was the head coach. Well, I mean, yeah, to I didn't kind of... 60. <laughs> What's that? Doesn't he doesn't look 60? That's yeah, no, sure. I, I mean, he looks like a younger guy, definitely takes care of himself. I thought, I thought it was interesting how he was, uh, he was talking about surfing with Paul Korea down in San Antonio, right? Yeah, weeks ago. And you know, I, I wonder if a little bit of that was part of it. You know, I wonder if him going and surfing with Paul was just something he does because they have a connection from his time coaching Maine, but. Or if that yeah. was maybe part of the, hey, you know, coming out with Paul Korea, you know, we know Paul has had a little bit more of a role in the organization the last couple of years, thankfully. Um, you know, I wonder if that was, uh, you know, I wonder if that was a little bit of recruitment on Korea's end or if Korea invited him out and was like, hey, yeah, come surf. Let's talk about the team. Let's talk about the fit. Let's talk about SoCal. Let's talk about Orange County. Let's talk about Anaheim. Um, you know, or, you know, it could have just been two dudes that enjoy surfing that that are friends and know each other coming to surf. But um yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, he's Cronin's definitely a character you can tell. And you know, I know we saw a couple of tweets talking about how you know he can he can be a little rough around the edges with media members, but at the same time, you know, if you ask him if you ask him the right questions, he'll give you some of the most detailed answers you're going to get. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm looking for you know just as a fan of the team and somebody who reads interviews, you know, like we all do, um, you know, and and you know listens to the Duckstream podcast that. That you know the team puts out with coaching staff and with Pat Beek and all that. I'm I'm excited to learn more about Greg Cronin and learn more about his systems and see what he has to offer. And and you know it's a it's a breath of fresh air because I mean, show what were we saying all year was there wasn't really a whole bunch to talk about when it came to Dallas Hagens because there weren't any systems, there wasn't anything going on, right? There were just guys and, on yeah. the ice just attempting yeah. to play hockey. Yep, yep. and yeah. Pat Beek said you know that that he wants his team to play fast, to play hard, to play to play aggressive, to play smart. And he said he thinks that both McElwain and Cronin all have elements of that in their game and can get the Ducks and the goals to both play that way. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's going to be exciting kind of seeing the systems come to life here in camp and kind of getting a feel for them and actually, you know, hopefully playing some, you know, some good hockey here starting in October. But, um, yeah, another, another thing on Cronin too is that, you know, we're hearing more about it. We're hearing people's thoughts about it, you know, how he's going to be with Zegris, how he's going to be with the young guys. But I mean, he just, to me, he comes off like a great, great motivator. Like, yeah, he's going to be on your ass. And I think, I think that was something that now, again, none of us are in that locker room every single day. We will never <laughs> know truly. It's just, just going off vibes of Dallas Aikens vibes of the last couple of years, you know, 
we knew that Akins was a player's coach and he maintained great relationships with his guys and taught them how to be young men and everything like that and taught them how to be mature, which is, which, you know, isn't is nothing to scoff at when it comes to young professionals, but it just didn't seem like that there was really much else after that, which was the problem. Cronin, yeah. um, on the other hand, by all accounts, and from what he's saying and what Pat Verbeek is saying, seems like a fantastic motivator of young talent. Like he's going to get on you, but he's doing it from a place of care and from a place of love and from a place of relationship building. Like he's going to be on your ass and, mm-hmm. you know, Verbeek and, and, uh, and I think Friedman and I, I forget her name, but she, uh, she was the Colorado Eagles um, uh, beat writer. I believe I, I, her name escapes me. I know, I know, I know Spencer from CTP will, uh, uh, will correct me on this afterwards, but um, she even said that, you know, he's, he's, he's intense and he gets on his guys, but I think that's going to be a great fit for this young ducks team. You know, we've, we've said it endlessly. This is such a young team with so many, there'll be so many new faces over, over the next year, two years on this, on this NHL squad and down in San Diego, a lot of young faces as well. So I think given Corona's experience coaching young teams and, and bringing up young players and helping them make that transition from being, you know, junior players, college players, whatever, making that transition into the NHL level, it seems like a fantastic fit. Um, You know, where, on the motivating side where that kind of that kind of part seemed to be lacking with Akins, I feel like we're getting that part in Cronin in addition to the um you know in addition to still maintaining the good player relationships the good um you know having have, having a good rapport with your team in the locker room I think I think is something really important I still think that that's not something that we're going to be um that's going to be sacrificed with Greg Cronin in the room yeah Megan Angley is her name that's right. Yeah, Megan. Thank you. From uh, the DNVR Avalanche, she's a writer. Yeah, and another thing that he that he mentioned, I don't know if Pat Verbeek said this about Cronin or if this was a direct Cronin uh, quote, but he talked about his kind of his approach to defense, and he talked about how, like, in his view, defense is keeping the like a lot of defense is keeping the puck out of your zone and keeping the puck away from the other team. Um, and you know getting it up the ice and he talked heavily about how the transition game is such a big part of defense and that that was music to my ears because who are the top three young defensemen coming up in this in this organization <laughs> Olin Zellweger, Pavel Mintukov, and mm-hmm. Tristan Liddell. what kind of defensemen are they all offensive puck moving good yeah. skating good mobile defenseman that that is their bread and butter so to have a coach like greg Cronin here now i understand he's probably not going to be coaching all of those all three of those guys immediately next year you know this is something where you know hopefully he kind of is able to get his hands on all three of them over over the next two years but um having that in place is just good to have having Mm -hmm. that system in place and knowing that hopefully we're assuming just based off these words that we're going to have a play style and a play system that's going to be a heavy transition based game, given the kind of talent that we have coming up on the back end. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, on the forward end, we'll be, we'll be adding some more to that here in the upcoming draft as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that was just music to my ears. And then, and then his comment about the modern day fourth liner and, you know, the modern day the tough guy. Oh yeah. He was like, yeah, I like that. You know, like he that. said something Whoa, like, yeah. Yes, delivering a big hit is important. Yes, that is still a key element to today's game and can play a key role. But we need to start looking at what is that big hitter doing after he makes the hit? 
Is he going for the puck? Is he is he trying to make the play? You know, was it was it a hit that was just made to make a hit? And that was curious to me because I think what we're seeing in a lot of these competitive teams and these cup winning teams over the past couple of years is that a lot of their fourth lines, you know, their third, fourth lines aren't just, you know, it's not just a bunch of Nick Deloria's and Sam Carrick's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. guys that yes, can bring that element to the game if necessary, but also have other intangibles and other skills to bring, whether it's in the two-way game, whether it's chipping it, you know, whether it's chipping in a little bit on the offensive game. So, and given our, and given our bottom six woes, especially last year, but in the last two years, music to my ears to hear that. Right. (laughs) And we've talked about that a lot, a lot on this podcast when it comes to people asking us questions just in the chat or on Twitter or whatever about, the need for you know uh, a fourth line grinder guy or like someone to protect Zegers the way that Cronin explained those types of players is is exactly what we've been wanting so yeah yeah no more no more Nick Delorier's no Ryan Reeves you know that 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 that's it's just not necessary you can get so many you can get guys that bring what Gloria and Ryan Reeves bring to the table on the physical and intimidation side yeah. that also have other tools in their toolkit that can mm-hmm. be necessary. And they're not just chewing up minutes in the bottom six doing nothing else. Right. So yeah. that was, that was exciting for me to hear. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this, how this all comes together. You know, it's, it's, it, it's exciting again, you know, of course, you always want to temper your expectations a little bit just because we've seen no Greg Cronin hockey in Anaheim yet. But yeah, just based off of everything we've heard so far, I was I was thoroughly impressed. Yeah. I mean, to the point of like what you're talking about with the fourth liners, I, I definitely agree with that being, you know, it's it's refreshing to see that mindset just because hockey has been so set in that way of just oh, you need the tough guy down there. But you look mm-hmm. at I mean. Vegas's fourth line this playoffs has just been nuts. I mean, also <laughs> yeah. Vegas as a team has just been very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they've always been a at, team that can roll all four lines. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, but they have they have that depth mm-hmm. that we don't that we've not had. You know, where like all four of their lines are able to chip in something, and they're not just kind of sitting there dead weight a bunch of negative war guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, it's it's nice knowing that. You know, like we talked about the the night that we found out we were second overall, and we gushed about Fantilli as much as we did. Mm-hmm. You know, I said that you know he's a lot of guys compare him to having like that bulldog mentality, <laughs> and you know we we've been notorious for not, you know if we're not trading John Gibson, we're we're bitching about players like Nick Delorier. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But like it, it was nice hearing that like the mindset is gonna be to be a big bruising team that's not gonna be easy to play against, but it's yeah. not gonna be heavy just for the sake of being heavy. It's yeah. playing mm-hmm. heavy hockey as a team of small little guys. Yeah. <laughs> because if we're being real, this team, you know, these guys aren't gonna be mature and developed into you know, the star prodigies, everyone thinks they, they are until they're older. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you see it all the time with NHL. Some, some of them might, some of them could, but, you know, it's not like, we're probably, we're probably not going to be in the playoffs next year. You know, it's, it's, 
likely that this is another year of, you know, we, we, we could potentially have another top 10 pick and that could be okay. I don't think we're going to be a basement dweller again, but you know, it, it could like, it, it's going to take some time and it's part of the process, you know, a brand new coach implementing new systems with a pretty young team coming in. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all, it's all part of the process, you know? And I think, I think we need to keep that in mind. Yes. We're excited for the new coach. Yes. We're excited for the potential new systems that he can implement. Yes, we're excited for whoever we're going to bring in next year with this uh, with the second overall pick coming up in just under 20 days or in just over 20 days. But um, yeah, it's 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 reassuring that it seems like Pat Verbeek is is targeting the right kind of guys. And, and you know, we got a little taste of it when he officially brought in McIlvain a couple of weeks ago. And now and now we're just getting that point driven home that he's targeting the right type of voices for this room um with the uh yeah. with hiring or greg cronin trust the ver build trust the ver build baby uh, we where, trust. where i was starting to go with that though is just like i don't know it's it's nice to know that you know for a team that hasn't really had much of an identity there's something there outside of oh well you know this group of guys gets along because dallas akins is a great motivator like for once it's nice to know that like from bottom to top this team is expected to play a certain way and the coaching staff is going to try their damnedest to get it perfect yeah you know it's it's nice knowing that there i mean we've had a sense of direction i'm not trying to sit back and say that this has been a you know up a creek without a paddle but mm-hmm. you know the the Aikens years will always be be kind of that that blight on <laughs> what has always been you know a successful team outside of yeah. you know the first couple years and you know it's it's kind of the nature of hockey but it's it's nice to just know that like it's not quite over the hill just yet but you know we're we're getting to that point where the next step is, you know, we've already stocked the farm. You know, we're getting, you know, draft steals left and right. And, you know, our selections have turned to be fruitful so far, but it's like, we're not quite there yet, but we're almost there. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, like Connor said, I don't see us being terrible to the point of being, you know, a top three team again, but I can totally see that things are going to be interesting. Like, yeah, this team's probably not going to win a ton because, you know, a, a new voice does take a while to get accustomed to. But at the end of the day, it's at least going to get them back on track. Just yep. score, man. Just score yep. some goals for Christ's sake. <laughs> just play, just play good hockey, make steps in the right direction. And, you yeah. know, it's another year of I'm not really worried about how much we win or lose. Just, you know, we we kind of lost that this year with with just another year of Aikens. I think it just got hammered home that a lot of it was coaching based and lineup decision based, unfortunately. So um yeah, you know, let's let's just keep in mind that it's another year of of just hoping for for development improvements and guys taking steps in the right direction. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully Cronin's a, a big, um, a big part of that for sure. Yeah. And Jake and Jake talked about, you know, with the draft coming up, you know, how we talked about Fantilli and talked about, you know, 
having an identity and wanting to bring in, you know, guys that have that dog mentality. Um, <laughs> I don't know how many of you subscribe to uh, elite prospects, but um, on Monday, uh, their, their big 2023 uh, draft, uh, draft guide book, draft guide booklet came out and, you know, it literally goes through every fucking player in the draft that you can imagine. It's got a blurb on every single one of them. That's great. I, I recommend subscribing quick shout out to elite prospects. Um, but what they typically do is they kind of assign player traits and every player gets three traits put at the top of their profile. And it's different things from, you know, toolsy to handsy to problem solver, you know, just stuff like that. It's, like, it's kind of like video game attributes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first one on Adam Fantilli's page is got that dog in him. <laughs> so just driving home Jake's point that, yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, Dalton, our good buddy, Mighty Flow Hockey in the chat says, you know, he just wants to see the team, you know, have an identity, play with swagger and, you know, see the young guys take another step. And I think, I think that we're going to be adding a lot of guys to bring that and, you know, seeing this team finally having an identity again, you know, like, like, a, you know, like Jake touched on, you know, playing, playing heavy, but not, not to sacrifice on the speed and on the skill. I think, I think that's what we can, I think that's what we're all hoping for and, you know, really, really all we can ask for yeah and uh just really quick like on Akins too like it's it's i hate how it ended because you know when we hired him it was right off of like the success he had in san diego mm-hmm. and like everyone everyone was kind of excited to see what he could do uh maybe he's you know changed his ways with his coaching from you know the oilers days and all that stuff maybe he knows what he's doing this and that and i felt like he was good in the beginning um, but as he started to get more young talent, I feel like he kind of lost his way on how to, how to move forward because like, I feel like he could still coach. Like he's not a, he's not a great coach. Obviously I don't, you could maybe argue him being even a good coach, but I mean, I feel like he could coach maybe in the minors still, um, or be on someone's staff in the, in the NHL. Cause I, I think he's a, he seems like a decent guy. Um, I, I, I still like, but I don't know if it makes sense, but like he has like a certain, it's like his development as a coach, like he has a certain ceiling and the first two years with the ducks, I feel like he was fine. And then he hit it. And then once he got like Zegras coming in and he got all these young players, I feel like he couldn't really get any further. I feel like he hit his point. Like, because, you know, they always said that he was really good with de- maybe he was, you know, he was decent with developing the, the kids in San Diego and and coming up from that. And I feel like there just wasn't enough after that. He kind of hit hit his he hit his plateaued. mark there. And the, yeah, they're just I still think he can make it, though, somewhere, whether it's in the minors or whatever he wants to do. But um, it's too bad because I did like him. Uh, a lot of his decisions made me sad different words but i'll just say sad right now um <laughs> yeah but... no i mean i mean you know great great guy great person i don't think anybody's going to be arguing that but you know i just think just not really suited for coaching at the nhl level and you know the not suited for lineup construction to have success in the nhl and you know not suited to make decisions that are going to have you succeed in the nhl which yeah. you know is the unfortunate reality but it is what it is Ease what it is. I do have a we do have some uh 
some stats here with Greg Cronin for anyone who maybe still doesn't really know who he is. Uh, if you haven't read anything about him, uh, Matt Weller, who works for the Ducks, he writes for the Ducks. Go follow him on Twitter. He uh, he tweeted out all of this stuff with Greg Cronin here. He's got 36 years of experience. Uh, he's been an NHL assistant for 12 seasons. I didn't know this about him. He was the he's the co-founder of uh, USA Hockey's national team development program. Yeah, did, the US did not know that. Yeah, so that the was, US national development team program. Yeah, yeah I, so I, that's cool. I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that he was one of the founders of that. Yeah. Um I think he was he was recently with the Colorado Eagles, right? Of the AHL. Yeah, the last three years. Okay. Um he made the playoffs in four of five seasons with the Eagles. Um he has a career 584 point percentage in the AHL and he guided Northeastern to their first NCAA tourney berth in 15 years. So and He's to expand further on that, it was the first berth in 15 years after a three-win season the year prior. Oh, oh wow. I don't remember okay. what art- – I think it was Matt's article uh, this afternoon that he posted that it was, the first, it was the first time in 15 years and the season prior when he wasn't the coach, they had three total wins. My God. All right. Well, he definitely has had – some nice uh, success there in, in different levels of hockey so far. So, And so one of the other things I wanted to touch on before we got into questions and the, the last little thing that Friedman said in uh, 32 Thoughts today was that whole part of the episode, um, there, there definitely seemed to be a lot of hands kind of in this, this hiring process. You know, Connor touched on Paul Correa. You know, they talked about that and how – you know, his relationship with Joe Sackick, you know, kind of brought them into that, that search, you know, that wound up finding him. Um, but Friedman was kind of crediting Paul Correa for maybe having a little more of a role in all of this, just considering their past experiences together. Yeah. Um, you know, he Cronin said himself uh, when he spoke to Jeff Merrick that uh, it was Craig Billington who – he said was like his boss above him in, in, uh, with the Eagles. Um, he had retired at the end, at the end of this season or at the beginning a lot at the beginning of the season. I'm not quite sure of the timetable, but he, he actually kind of spoke it into existence and said, Hey, like you might get your shot here. Cause there's some teams that it, he, he said that when it was put out there that they weren't renewing Aikens at the beginning of the year, he kind of joked and was like, Hey, that might be your spot. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, was kind of funny. Um, but you, you take into account that he was a assistant under Randy Carlisle in Toronto too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Carlisle is still with the organization and kind of, a I don't remember what they said his role was um, when they hired him like a season or two back, but you know, he's still within the ducks organization in some sort of role. And it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, there's a lot, it's weird that you know, they, like both Merrick and Friedman had said that up until they started doing interviews and stuff, um, they had only, for him and Verbeek had only met like once. Um, yeah. But, you know, Billington had a relationship with Verbeek because they played together in New Jersey. You know, and then he coached 
you know, Cronin coached Korea and he was an assistant with Carlisle. And it's like, there's all these moving parts that it's like, it's weird to think that this was almost just kind of a, Hey, you know, this guy might be good when there's <laughs> all these ties deep yeah, down right. inside, which yeah, yeah. just kind of makes the, the story, you know, a little, a little more interesting because it's like, it's not just some random guy. It wasn't just going out and making the easy pick and throwing a bunch of money at a guy like Andrew Burnett. Yeah. Or yep. Peter Laviolette, or you know, like the Blue Jackets are doing, and trying oh, to, boy. you know, Babcock. yeah, trying yeah. to trying to get the spark <laughs> back by bringing Mike Babcock in. CBJ. Like you know, know it it on. doesn't feel rushed. Like a lot of what Verbeek has done has felt very planned out and you know, like really meticulous. Yeah, like they're really going for that no stone left unturned kind of approach to things, and mm-hmm. it just goes to show, like we we have been huge proponents of what pat verbeek has built so far and granted it's a very very small sample size but it just speaks volumes to kind of where we were at you know with with murray you know it just after a while was like this this just isn't working anymore and granted fresh eyes will do that and someone with a different mindset but it's like we've really only had a couple swings and misses and it's mm. been signings. Yeah. And when that's the worst thing that's happened in your tenure so far, you know, maybe outside of letting Mahura fall through waivers, but you know, can we even say that? Is it just because he's in the cup final? Like, <laughs> you know, we could, you could really get finite with and be like, well, he did this. And that made me upset. Like, I would rather be in the spot we're in where we're making informed decisions and not just like, Hey, that guy did something good once let's bring him in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's refreshing because as we can joke about it as much as we want, but having bad seasons like this aren't fun. (laughs) Like, you know, you gotta really be some sort of fucked up. If you're actively just like, Hey, I don't care if my team sucks. Maybe that's just me saying that as a fan that really cares yeah. about the team and really, you know, believes them, you know, believes in them, even though it's fun tweeting about getting Bedard bucks at the end of the day. <laughs> like that's just kind of the nature of being a fan. Like, I don't know. I want them to be successful you know, at the end, yeah. at the beginning of every year, you know, yeah, maybe they exceed expectations and you somehow fall into a Stanley Cup. Is it <laughs> is it realistic? No. But at the, but like that's what we are. We're fans. Yeah. And it's it's nice to just know that like there's this, there's some semblance of some care being taken. And I think yeah. that that's what I appreciate the most about it. Yeah. It's just that. very thought out. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's a smart yep. man. It's almost uh, like, you know, it's almost like rebuilding properly and, you know, building a proper team and a proper crop of players and a proper organization the way you see fit. It's almost like that takes a little bit of time. You yeah, know? the GM doing what he's Funny how that do. works. It takes patience. <laughs> it takes time. Really quick before we get into questions. Um, I do like this tweet from Mark Diver. D- Diver? There's two, two V's in there. He's... He works for the New England uh, Hockey Journal and NHL.com. Tweeted about uh, Cronin. Said an ex-player told me some years ago about an AHL coach. 
who was chirping players on Greg Cronin's team from the bench. Between periods, Cronin went into the coach's office and told the guy that he'd beat his ass if he opened his mouth again, and then the chirping stopped. So that's fun. I kind of hope he brings some of that, you know? Yep. I got, got, like, visions of the Tortorella, like, argument in the hallway with the Canucks and the (laughs) (laughs) Canucks and Flames, wasn't it? I'm all for it. That was great. Bring a little more backbone to this team. I'm all, you know, you know, not, not to take a shot at Dallas Akins and you know, like who he is as a man, but you know, I was just kind of tired of the oh, but he's such a sweet guy. He's like such a yeah. nice, like I just like I want, want a little bit of mustard on these guys now. You know what I mean? And grape upon, you know, please. A little kick to it. Yeah, some, yeah we're bringing grape, uh, grape upon from uh from from Boston. Yeah, that Boston accent. Some of that Northeast Chris. Oh, it's thick, huh? Yeah. That's going to make for, you know, on top of him being very crass. Talking about players (laughs) and how many years he's been coaching. (laughs) As in to say, on top of making comments about guys, you know, maybe wanting to run him over with their cars after practice. Like, (laughs) we're, we're in for a treat. Yes. Um, You know, it's, it's going to make the next, it's going to make training camp, I think, you know in high demand to see yeah um, I, de- i'm i'm definitely excited to go to a couple a couple days of training camp for sure may have to take some pto just to just to get the content because yep. you know this, this missing, is going to be an integral year yeah i'm there and we're missing lou tonight and he could have told us to tap the sign that they're you know fun times in duckland are coming i'll have to tweet that out i'm a i'm there i'm a i'm in Bape. last thing before questions um i did find this funny uh apparently the ducks have asked for a all right uh, a pick in compensation for everything that happened with dadinov um we have daddy issues apparently the league is actually considering it <laughs> yeah that's cool i mean hey it's being considered we're being heard like Patrick uh, had said on Twitter this morning, uh, that would be huge because a lot of the forward talent that's projecting in, in that range of second round picks, um, depending on where Vegas finishes, it could be at the very end of that round. But, you know, it seems like you know, Patrick definitely has a, a better beat on what's going on with, uh, with the prospect or, you know, the talent in the draft coming up. But, yeah, you know. There's we get the pick of, out of yeah. nowhere. Hey, you know, that's what that'd be uh, yeah. our fourth in the second yeah. round. Our fourth, second round. But yeah, if it, if it does indeed just, you know, just get reverted in the second round, whether it's like the pick in the middle of the first and second round. So it's mm-hmm. really like a late first or an early second, or it's like the last pick of the second round. I mean, it doesn't yeah. really matter. You know, it's the, the second, you know, Patrick talked about it. The names in the second round, it, there's a lot of fun, you know, just high upside plays. There's like so many different types of player profiles that, you know, that we can grab and with three and m- maybe if this goes our way, potentially four second rounders, you know, I'm, I'm, I said it on Twitter the other day. I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost more intrigued and interested in what we're going to do in round two versus what we're going to do in the first round, just given of how, you know, surefire we know, what's going to be done at two whether it's any of those three guys like you know yeah there's no real debate around there but yeah yeah i i mean i mean hey i know you probably can't trade a com 
a compensation pick, but I mean, I mean, Hey, you know, adding four seconds and, you know, just letting Martin yeah. Madden throw a couple more darts, you know, I'm, I'm never going to say no to that, you know, yeah, Martin Madden's kind of, Martin Madden's kind of, you know, he's kind of buttered his bread in the, in the second round of the last <laughs> night. So I didn't know where that was going. I'm willing to let him, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm willing to let him work his, uh, work his magic in the, yeah, for sure. after, after the first round, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people <laughs> in the hockey world say that the GM makes the picks in the first round. And then after the first round, he's just like, all right, the scouting team, make the picks. Yeah. You know, so I let, let Madden cook, baby. Let him cook. <laughs> Stumble yeah. upon a pick. Ooh, I was going to say, we uh, got to remember Olin Zellweger was somehow a second-round pick. So anything yeah. is possible, yeah. children. Just Troy Terry was a fifth-round pick. Pavel mm-hmm. Datsuk was a seventh-round pick. And Henrik Zetterberg was a sixth-round pick. Let's get more guys. Big, big men. Throw body, score a goal. Well, we will transition into questions here uh, in a sec, but uh, you know, lap day is coming up. It's fast right. approaching. Um, we're still trying to work something out with seven one four. Maybe do something a little fun for uh, for lap day. But you know, they they have been very very great to us. You know, we're very thankful that you guys have been using our code. Um, you guys can use code LAP at checkout for ten percent off. Your current order and 5% to, towards any future orders, uh, concert tickets, sporting events, whatever you can think of. Yeah. Um, Go see the Angels. They're back to being okay. We're, we're The train's kind of back on the track a little bit. You know, I see the Cubs right. are in town. I didn't know the Cubs were in town. Yeah. They, uh, That's cool. I was watching a little bit of the game last night because it was on ESPN+. Plus. They, they came back and won last night against the Cubs, and I think it's yeah. tied now. You know, hmm. the angels are making it interesting. Look at the M. As much as the Houston series was a disaster, but you know, we won't get too much into that. <laughs> but again, uh, code LAP at checkout 10% off your order, 5% towards any future orders. Yeah. So then you can also use our affiliate link, uh, sign up for ESPN Plus if you don't have it already. Just go to inside the slash ESPN, sign up helps just uh our network in general not just us uh you know we have a a great network of uh podcasts over there um just kind of helps all of us do our thing so you know if you don't have espn plus for whatever reason you get pretty much any sports broadcast uh college you know mlb nba some nhl um yeah, I've I've loved it so far. I know I think I'll pretty much all of us have it, so we can attest to how good ESPN oh, yeah. Plus is. But again, don't have it. Inside the slash ESPN. Yep, do that thing. So on the topic of coaches, uh, our hockey three six five topic that uh, I picked for this week was eighteen NHL teams have changed coaches since uh, January first, twenty twenty two. Do we think this is a little ridiculous? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, I feel like it's standard sports coaching huh. turnover, you know? I mean, yeah. some my reaction kind of gave my answer. So yeah, some years are higher than others, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, this is definitely probably a little bit more than we've seen in the past couple of years, but, you know, with, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too surprised by it, to be real. 
I think the quality of coaches is the more surprising part. But yes, that's the other thing. There's a whole lot of yeah. there's a whole lot of mid out there. There's a whole <laughs> lot of mid. <laughs> my I, thing was my the biggest like like what the hell's going on moment for me was when the Bruins let Bruce Cassidy go. That was that was the one that threw me for a loop. And I still don't understand it to this day. And here he is coaching the Knights, just living his life in Vegas, probably has a great home in Summerlin somewhere. And now he's in the cup final, just chilling. And he's benching Phil. What's wrong with him? I don't know. There's no <laughs> Phil Kessel. It's in the press box this entire time. Anyway. What we're Continue. saying is free Phil Kessel. <laughs> free Phil. I would say the number is a little surprising, but at the same time, a lot of teams were kind of in weird spots and kind of telling guys like, Hey, this is your last chance and had to make changes. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say more quality than quantity. Just the numbers, not surprising just because it's kind of normal, but certainly, uh, Andrew Burnett being available going into this year and the whole Cassidy thing, like, yeah. I think those were more a shock than, oh, hey, all of these teams did this, or, yeah, the list kept piling up. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into some questions here. We'll, uh, do we, uh, do we want to stick ducks? Do we want to, we do have one about Cronin, uh, and Patrick that we can start uh, off I, with if you'd like. Let's jump around. Why not? Okay. We'll mix it up a little bit. Why not? Just go in order. Okay. We'll do uh we'll do Patrick's first. He says, Does Greg Cronin got that dog in him? If he were <laughs> a dog, what breed would he be? And he says, Do does the lap crew have any pets? Okay. Yeah, so what, uh, what kind of I, dog would he be? I do think he's got that dog in him. hundred um, percent. Seems like um, it. Pitbull. Yeah, hey, I was gonna say, do we want to go pitbull right out of the gate? Because, like, you know, they're not a Rottweiler where they're, like, mean a lot. Oh, I love Rottweilers. But, like, you know, pit bulls can be, like, you know, affectionate and, you know, loving dogs. Yeah. Still. So I'll go, I'll go pit bull. Okay. And I was I thinking pit not, bull. Yeah. yeah. And I do not have a pet, personally, because I live by myself. But um, my my mom's got two cats. I, th- I can kind of consider them my pets just because, you know. Yeah, they yeah. live at home with the parent. I'm over there all the time, so. Yeah. I have a husky, sixteen years old, dude. Old as hell. <laughs> I pretty much have a child. It's a child at this point. <laughs> I was gonna say, technically, if if we're going um, in the same vein like Connor did, I technically have three cats, but the two quarantine kitties I adopted. They live with my parents because they're used to running around my parents' big house. And frankly, uh, they would have been an absolute nightmare in this tiny little apartment. So we did adopt Milo, my little co-host sitting next to me. He he was Love meowing Milo. earlier. You probably heard him. Yes, he is uh, currently sitting in his cactus sleeping. So Love Milo here. I love that he loves our air mattress. Me and Sometimes, man, you got to... Sometime, man, you gotta just fall asleep on a cactus. <laughs> uh, he is a uh, big fan of Chris and Jenny's air mattress. Every time they come, he watches as Jenny blows it up, and then he runs yeah. around on it. He's gonna lay right in the center of it. It's great. 
shout out shout out piper love of piper shout out piper dude she's always posting pictures of piper on damn instagram and i love every single one of them they're just great makes your (laughs) day so much better maybe uh maybe piper can be the unofficial official oh i already said that i want to make merch if she's down (laughs) be the lap dog yeah make a she shot like a little like a little uh like a little collar yeah damn now we need dog collars (laughs) anyway so this one uh we could say this is a asked both on twitch and on twitter um jake asked us what's jamie up to <laughs> and then rooch in the uh twitch chat asked what do we make of the ducks twitter admin posting the jamie picture i mean nothing's been announced yet right i feel like there's definitely something to do with that like you know just do that and just like no context nothing in the middle of the yeah. offseason but just I mean, rile people up and leave I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday night, June 7th. So, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, by the time you're hearing this in the morning, maybe we, we have heard of a Jamie Drysdale contract, uh, contract extension. I know, I know Pat Verbeek said on, on the latest speaker that, you know, he's, you know, that he'll, he'll be at the combine this week or he is at the combine this week and, and, and that he's got contracts to sign. So, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear, we start to hear things fall uh, pretty soon, but, and, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we hear it tomorrow, just given the the uh, the artful trolling that we got from uh, from the Ducks social people today. But yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be good to see the dominoes fall. I'd expect a bridge deal with Jamie, just yeah. uh, you know, just because he. I mean, he missed all last year. I think I think that that's pretty that's pretty reasonable to expect. I'd I'd say two to three years. I'd be shocked if it goes to four, but nothing over four um, would be would be my take here. So yeah, yeah. It- they definitely chose a picture where he was staring into all of our souls. Yeah. Yeah, it was and pretty say, hot. And it's I think it would make sense if Jamie was the first domino to fall, just because you know, I feel like a bridge deal is probably the easiest to work out. Um mm-hmm. and then you know, hopefully we see Terry and Zegers follow soon after. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it looks like it looks like for all intents and purposes that Drysdale is gonna be the first RFA domino to fall. So yeah, good to good to kind of see for beacon to work on that. Jamie I hope D. they do that for everybody. They just post like a picture like I, that. I feel like they should like the night before, like the night or afternoon before, just posted like a, a staring into your soul picture. I dare them for the Zegris one to tweet it out like a week before it happens. So then it's just like tweet it out <laughs> randomly on no, Monday. Don't do that. No, no. <laughs> this is a random Monday and then nothing for a full week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next one comes from Vegas Fever Pod, one of our uh there are golden knights podcasts over at inside the rink um they asked personally they can't wait for it but what are our feelings on the espn 60 doc on the history of the ducks franchise super excited for it that, yeah, should, be, that should be really good That's you know love, love so that they're interviewing fun. love that they're interviewing Tamu and paul and jiggy and and you know rooch and uh and guia bear all those guys don't forget goldberg bro and Goldberg, yeah. I mean, I'm curious to see if any other former players are involved in there. It would be it would be cool to see like a like a Vitaly Wisniewski maybe, and uh, that'd be cool. He is man. local. Yeah. He's easy yeah. to it's easy to yeah. get a hold of. That's for maybe, sure. Maybe some old interviews with with Rusty Soleil, rest in peace. But um, yeah, you know, it's it should be fun. You know, ESPN always does a good job with stuff like this. You know, I'm curious to see. You know, maybe you know we'll get some inside looks into into stuff that was happening or happening in the early 90s you know when when i wasn't alive um 
you know, when the, when the team first started, you know, maybe some stuff I've never seen before. Yeah. Outside from the normal, you know, Mighty Ducks inaugural stuff that they show every year, but yeah. Uh, yeah. This should be, this should be a lot of fun. I will be, uh, I will be seated. Yeah. I will be seated. It's As the 11th that it comes out, right? Yes. Yes. In a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tuesday, next Tuesday or Monday. Four days from now uh, or Sunday? Sunday, Sunday at like Sunday. eight. Oh. Sunday at 8 a.m., I think, right? Oh. Well, I know what I'm doing on Sunday then. Yeah, I'll be starting off my Sunday with <laughs> yeah, that. Just hanging out? Yeah, sounds good. Hey, let's go get a Breakfast Republic and come over and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Could be in play. <laughs> I'll have my people reach out to your people. <laughs> AKA, I'll have Heather text, text yeah. you and plan this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it will be a uh, a fun way to start kind of getting into that nostalgia mode for the 30th um 100 yeah but god damn it bucci you gotta stop dropping cryptic stuff like that because it, i know right just everybody just went crazy just like what yeah. do you know what do you know and then <clears throat> not that it was a, a bad surprise or anything because yeah pretty much everybody was just like holy shit this is gonna be awesome yeah, but when but when let's, Bucci... let's let's maybe taper taper it back a little bit because yeah. post, posting if we've learned anything from this pod posting cryptic pictures and gifts really rile people up. <laughs> and I'll say I'll say this because I mean it's not a huge deal it's not like he's giving us any information but I did DM him. <laughs> um I DM'd him on uh from the podcast account asked like asking him what that tweet was about. And I was like, can you give us any hint? And he's like, it's not about the team stand down. <laughs> I mean, technically it's about the team, yeah. but not anything with the current team. <laughs> but when he, yeah, when he answered that, I'm like, okay, that just gives me more questions. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on, but it's like, damn it, damn it, Bucci, come on. <laughs> uh, our next one comes from Instagram. Uh, it's from Vance 11's uh, prediction on Zegris's term and AAV. I know we've talked about this uh, a little while back when we had nothing Ducks related to to really touch on, but well, death to us part. You know, given given uh, Caulfield getting his extension yesterday, you know, do we see him a little more? Do we see him right around the same ballpark? What, what are we thinking? Say eight years, I think. I'll I'll say it's pretty close to what Caulfield got. I'll say eight years, eight point two five mil. Yeah, eight by eight's kind of I was what gonna, I'm yeah. thinking. I was gonna say I was actually gonna say eight point two. So yeah, eight by eight. I mean should I, be juicy. Nice I feel juicy. with all of the uh you know, Pat Brisson's always in the, the news along with Alan Walsh. I feel like this is going to be that summer of his clients getting paid. So anything yeah. less than eight would be good work by Verbeek. But I mean, it's Zegers, whatever he gets locked up to. He's it's definitely a gamble still, but you know, yeah, but he's, you know, two, two back-to-back 60 point seasons kind of makes it towards. So it's a little easier to be like, yeah, it might pay. It yeah. Yep. And to do it with, yeah, we've talked about it plenty to do that back-to-back years with the lion mates he's had, like, Imagine with good them. players. I know you coach. bring in, yeah, <laughs> you bring in some good players and actually have a decent system of play, and who knows what he can do. 
All right, our next one comes from Simon. He says, congratulations to Tristan Leno, Pavel Minchikov, and Olin Zelliger on winning their respective defenseman of the year in their junior leagues. And with that, start one, scratch one, trade one. Yeah, when I saw this, I was like, damn, boy. Um, personally, mine's I, – I thought about mine, and I kind of stuck with it all day, and this was a hard one, but mm-hmm. – I look at it from the perspective of Zellweger, if he's ever brought up in trade talks, it has to be for someone just absolutely incredible. Yeah. So he would be my pick for start one. Okay. Scratch Minchikov, and I feel like Leno has enough value that he would be a good trade piece if it came down to one of those three. Um, personally, I had... But no in my trade as well. I feel like he's the most expendable in my eyes, but it's just more so where he was drafted because, you know, Delweger obviously feels like a steal as a second round pick. Mm-hmm. And Minchikov being as high as he was, it's like, to me, I'd rather take the steal that's kind of just lighting the world on fire. Yeah. I'll, uh, <clears throat> I've I've Luno in my trade as well, and then yeah, I'm, I mean just to, just to be different, I'll I'll start Mintukov and Ben Zellweger just because I was yeah I'm I was kinda, flipping kinda, both kinda, of them. I'm kind of a Mintukov guy, you know. He just, <laughs> I I was really yeah. I was really advocating for him and was really a big fan for him at the at the draft yeah. last year. So yeah, I w- I've I'll been take, flipping I'll take, those. Just to, I mean that's not an indictment on Zellweger for me to be like oh I think Mintukov is going to be way better like, like you know it's just it's you know yeah. They're both amazing players. So, I mean, let's just kind of take your pick here. Well, Savannah picked the wrong time to to join join the episode on Twitch. I mean, at least she didn't join, like, as we're talking about it. 30 seconds earlier. (laughs) But here we go. She leaves, blocks us. (laughs) Our next one comes (laughs) from Billy. He asks, (laughs) does Carter Hart being available hurt the chances of Gibson being traded? After seeing the Peterson deal, what does that return for Gibson look like now? I don't think it hurts it, really. It doesn't hurt. I think no. there'll still be I mean there's always going to be suitors for uh for goaltenders. Um 100%, yeah. In regards to the return, I mean it, goalies. 29 years old, 4 years left. He still has, you know, is this where we start seeing a little regression as he gets into his 30s? Maybe, but I mean still young. All, yeah. Like, I mean, it's all going to depend on what GM that wants to trade for him sees him at. You know, there could be some GMs that still think he's an elite goaltender and would give us a first, which I would be slamming the phone down and making the trade call if we get a first out of John Gibson. Um, you know, there would, there could be, it's it's very likely that a lot of the fan base is a little underwhelmed by whatever John Gibson does end up getting back just because, you know, he's, Older hasn't had a stellar last couple of years. You know, that contract isn't incredible. Um, I think we can maybe help our case out if we were willing to retain a little bit, but. Um, Which we have cap space to do. We have cap space to do. We could. And for only, you know, another four years, I'd, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily hate it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint what John Gibson would go for right now. I think whoever. I think no matter what, it's probably pretty likely that we're taking a shit money goaltender back. Um, 
you know, I know, I know Jake mm-hmm. Rudolph had mentioned Cal Peterson as one that's now off the table, given the events of the last 40, the last 48 hours. But, um, you know, someplace like Detroit or uh, Detroit, someplace like New Jersey, where there's a Mackenzie Blackwood, I could maybe see a fit there. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh is always linked to John Gibson just because he's from there. It's always been a thing. It's it'll never go away. I mean, we know Dubas can get aggressive and with him being in Pittsburgh now, we'll see what happens there. If, if they and especially having the reins as interim GM with no yeah. GM in place, like uh-huh. he could totally take advantage of, hey, I'm the guy right now. This is yep. something I can do. It'll be interesting. I hope I hope it happens on draft day. I because because I don't think. I don't think we've been in a situation where we traded a marquee player at the draft and got Gary Bettman going up to announce the trade. That's something I watch because I think that'd be hilarious. But um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what we hear between now and uh, and in the draft and and free agency going. It could it could be the era of of Lucas Dostal. I feel like given the. Uh... Oh. Yeah, I was gonna say Chris was frozen for a little right. bit there. But uh kind of <laughs> given the nature of yeah, there was a little a little talk um a while back, not anything like super substantiated by any means, but yeah, the a lot of people seem to think that if the Oilers don't get it done soon with Ken Holland, you know, he may be calling it quits soon, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of kind of taking a step back and saying, Hey, you know what? I've, I've done as much as I can at the NHL level. Like maybe it's, it's time to hang it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see them trading a guy like Campbell to facilitate a trade working like that, but especially with the extension he signed, um, I wouldn't want the ducks to be tied up in that for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but Edmonton's always kind of been one of those. that's just willing to kind of throw everything on the table for the sake of getting dry sidle McDavid a cup finally. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we don't, and, and we don't know for sure what teams are on John Gibson's no trade list. You know, it could be all of Canada. It could be some of Canada. All Canadian teams could be off the no trade. I mean, I mean, we have no idea. So yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see kind of, kind of what happens between, between now and the draft. Cause I'd assume if that trade's going to happen, it's going to happen in the draft. Or kinda, it, it's going to happen at the draft or before, I would say. Yeah. I kind of see it like from the perspective of whatever team misses out on Hellebuck, if Hellebuck truly gets moved, I kind of feel falls back to the Gibsons, the Carter Hearts, you know, even the Corpus Allos of the world. You know, Corpus Allo would be a little bit easier being a UFA and you're not having to trade assets for him you can just go out and sign him so i I feel like guys like that maybe in a little easier all right i wouldn't say easier but a little higher demand just because it's a little easier to facilitate getting them on your team but i feel like there's kind of a tier where he still falls maybe a step down from from like hellebuck kind of being the the main the main prize for a team needing a new goalie um but i agree with you i feel like we might be a little underwhelmed with things and it's no fault of his own, you know. It, it it certainly is the team being as bad as it's been around him. But you know, it, it's it's something that we've talked about forever. Um, we don't need to really spend more time on it until it happens, really. But you know, 
it truly can make for an interesting summer if this all happens, you know, especially in the next 20 or so days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the time to the draft, not only, you know, goes faster in anticipation for who we think we're going to pick, but you know, there's, there's a lot that can be done. Yep. And we need to remember that, I mean, a good portion of the value in trading John Gibson for us is getting out of that money, whether it's all of it, whether we're just retaining, I mean, anything, anything really helps. Yeah. Am I live? Can you see me? Yep. Yeah, you're good. Okay. Okay. You were frozen in place like this for like a minute yeah. or two. And I was yeah, like, there yeah. was, yeah, <laughs> there's some, some fun stuff going on over here. <laughs> oh, Milo wants his presence to be known on this podcast. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, our next one uh, comes from Saeed and he asks us two questions in the same vein. Do we want Corey Perry to sign with the Ducks in the offseason? And do we think he will sign in the offseason? Yes, I want. No, I don't think it happens, unfortunately. I think that's same. Just, yes, of course I do. That's but just, no. kind of, <laughs> just kind of more of a pipe dream than anything, I think. But I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice to yeah, see. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't think it happens. Who would he go to, though, if he didn't? Because uh, presumably he's, he's going to a contender. I think, I think yeah, Toronto probably or something like that. I, I do Ottawa, too. Maybe. I think he goes. I think he'll go back to a Canadian team. Yeah, yeah. I say for chaos reasons, if you are the Oilers, oh, you boy. are the you are the first one to ask him. Embrace the villain role. You already have Evander Kane. <laughs> yeah. Just what oh, what sucks so what's, hard? What's put like what what's stopping you from just you know one one just push just to really drive people over the edge having both Kane <laughs> and Perry on the same team. Yeah. I mean, I hate putting that out in the universe, but it just, and I don't know. There. They're a team desperate to win and you'll take whatever you can get to win. Yeah. I'm sure put that out there. <laughs> so when it happens, blame me. And everything. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, so our next one, uh, Rooch had another one. He said, if Segris, McTavish, Drysdale, and the second overall pick formed a band, what kind of band would they be, and who would play what instrument? Hmm. Feeling like a reggae. You could see that, yeah. Something chill. Something really chill, yeah. Maybe country. I feel like Zegris is a lead singer. Jamie Guitar, obviously. McTavish on bass and I feel like McTavish on drums. And then, then I think okay, yeah. I think I think Fantilli on bass. Assuming it's Fantilli. Assuming. I could agree with that. Maybe inter- interchange McTavish and the second <laughs> overall choice. Z definitely would be the singer. He has that lead singer energy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I could see like like that like sad rock. They'd be like, like yeah. I wouldn't say they're gonna be like a nickelback yeah. or anything, but <laughs> yeah, my first thought was like some kind of alternative. But yeah. <clears throat> Man, it'd be like a hardcore band out there. <laughs> Jamie yelling at people to open the fucking pit. That would be hilarious. 
That would be funny. Okay, B Doddles in the chat asked, uh, what's our earliest favorite ducks memory? Uh the 0203 uh finals run for me. Mine and I had some I, I I had some like when I was younger going to Mighty Duck games in Buffalo, but I can't remember it that well. Like I remember being there and everything, but I couldn't tell you how the game went. I was like really young. But other than that, like the earliest would probably be sadly the year that the Ducks went to the Western Conference final in uh 2006 and lost to the Oilers. Um but that run, that run was really really fun um that was probably my it's probably that one for me really um i think that was the year loophole went off too joffrey yeah. loophole had like had like four goals in one game one of them being the overtime winner that was outside of the 0203 cup run i think that one was probably one that sticks out a little bit more just because i was a little older i would say the time that i was thrown a puck as a kid but <clears throat> There are conflicting reports of who it was. My dad mm. changes the, the player every time he tells the story. <laughs> At first he said it was Solani, and then it, yeah. it always changes. And I wonder how he knows these people but doesn't remember who it was. <laughs> All I know is it's a game against the Flyers, and I got a Mighty Duck puck, but I do not okay. have it anymore, unfortunately. Oh, gotcha. But if I had to pick a memory, I remember maybe getting back into hockey. I mean, the first game I went to live when I got back into things was fan appreciation night in 2015. Mm -hmm. And they beat Dallas like six or seven to two or something like that. Um, I don't remember, but I remember they won. At least I think they won. Was that the... No, that was in Dallas. That might have been the... That actually might have been the the year after i actually think they lost the first game i went to i was going to ask if that was the game where um the opposing goalie came flying out to play the puck but getzloff beat him to it and shot it into an empty net that was the year after that bishop did that bishop yep that's right i'm trying to trying to find the date ben bishop what a guy Lost a tooth, taking a puck to the mask. What a guy. This is going to bug me until I find it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, at this time, I can say that we are having a Twitter space tomorrow night, so join us. If you're listening to this on the day that we release it, which is tomorrow, which would be Thursday, the 8th, we're having a Twitter space at 8 p.m. I don't know who's joining me. I just know it's going to be me so far. <laughs> It's going to be me talking to myself. So come join me, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Okay, they did not, in fact, win that game. They actually got shut out. So I'm oh, okay. probably, probably misremembering that game, too. Because hmm. the first thing I click on is an article from the OC register that says, Terrible home finale, Anger Stucks fans. <laughs> well, that can't be it. Hey, I mean, I still had fun. Yeah. That's oh, all that matters. If That's I just looked matters. at the chat, Ryan, Ryan had it. it said Duck Stars lost for nothing. Got thank it. you. Thank you, Mr. Mouse. The mouse. Speaking of the mouse, we have his squeak of the week. 
to end the episode. And for oh, once, really the question—the question is actually normal. Mm. Uh, Felix did ask which. Uh, what did he ask? Uh, time zones. Where is it? Where the hell is it? Eastern or per? No, is it Eastern or uh, Pacific time zone? Which one's better? Pacific. I think uh, that's what he asked. Pacific, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll say Pacific. He's just asking Since I've lived in the Eastern. Still, yeah. Still in Montreal. Um, yeah, it's Pacific. Eastern sucks. Oh, week of the week. Our last one from Ryan. He says, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. Why is Zelda creator so focused on involuntary biological actions? <laughs> we may never know. We may never know. Who does know? And they put slap. Says y'all are tasked with answering, but is one video game we wish we can go back and play again for the first time. Uh, mm. Crazy Taxi. <laughs> Love crazy, taxi? crazy Taxi. <laughs> wants to go to there, a pizza arcade. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there was this game that I had for like Nintendo something, and it was like the um. It was like Lion King or something, and it was or like Aladdin too. I had an Aladdin one, but it was set up like Mario, like the map. Mm. It was I can't remember what the hell they were called, but those are fun. I would love to go back in the day and play that for the first time again as a kid and just be like super happy again. I'll be uh, I'll be basic, but I'll say Modern Warfare two just because that was your typical eighth grader playing Modern Warfare two with his friends every single night. So yep. Modern Warfare 2. Those are those are the times. Or Black Ops 2, because that one, that one. Black Ops crazy. Both both Black Ops were were pretty legit. Black Ops 2, I put probably an embarrassing amount of time in. (laughs) I remember the big thing with Black Ops 1 was everybody like that first like month or so, everyone was just throwing axes everywhere. It's just like every game you played, there's yeah. just fucking axes hitting buildings and spinning yeah. and hitting you in the foot and killing you and shit like that. <laughs> that was a great time. I mean, personally, I have a top three. Um, I'd say on like the the big console side of things, but I mean Marvel Warfare is the easiest answer just because yeah, that game was responsible for I think my addiction to to shooters. Like I was that never played shooters up until that. And I just was so good at it mm-hmm. that it was very detrimental. Um, my grades in seventh and eighth grade were terrible because of it. Yeah. Um, but Hey, you know, you don't become six prestige, not playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, my second one would be halo reach. Um, I played the sh- absolute shit out of that game. I know life that game so hard i was almost the top rank um, holy moly i was four off but you needed like f- like five million experience points to even get there and you know yeah. match gives you like a hundred <laughs> so like there came a time where i was like yeah that's not worth chasing anymore <laughs> uh but my top one would probably be the pokemon games on the ds just because the DS was like the first actual like new console that my parents bought me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had like, we had a PlayStation growing up, but I like was too young around that time for it to like be for me, you know? 
but yeah. I remember my my mom and my aunt got all like my cousins and I all DSs and we opened them up on Christmas and we all had a version of the new Pokemon game and we sat like <laughs> the entire week I spent at their house like we used to go run around and play outside we go play Pokemon cards like do all that we did not leave the house that entire week just because <laughs> we were trying to catch every Pokemon we could and like trade them with each other and you know being 10 11 years old when those came out you know of course you go to best buy and buy an action replay so you could just hack the game and have everything there you go and yeah. so you know was i a productive pokemon master no but i did have 100 <laughs> master balls which made the game easy yeah but you know there's a reason i downloaded it on my computer to continue to play it like it was a very integral part of my childhood there it's a good three it's a good three yeah, I mean, unless you guys have anything else to add, we're we're pretty much at the end here. I think we're all nope. cooked up. Yeah. Ooh, Ryan did bring up a good one. He did say MVP Baseball 2005. Oh, it's another one. Great soundtrack, by the way. Honestly, the probably the best like sports soundtrack. I think. Yeah. I mean, NHL's had some good ones. NHL 14 was really good, but. MVP baseball was fucking fire. But yeah. You want to close that, this out, Chris? Yeah, I think that do be it. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. I think I I died on here just a, for a little bit there, but thanks for hanging out the whole time. We advertised that this was going to be short. Wasn't that short? Um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you're following us on all of our socials at Late Arrivals Pod on Twitter, Instagram. If you're listening to this uh, on Spotify or Apple, please leave us a rating and review. And go follow us on Twitch. Um, our Twitch following is growing very nicely, and it's it's a lot of fun to a lot of fun to see and and hang out with everybody in here. So um, appreciate that. Did have a new follow tonight. Shout out B Dottles. Thank you. Oh, shout out to you. Shout out B Dottles. B Dottles. That's great. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, not sure what's going on next week, but try to keep you updated as much as we can. Um, if you do want to join the Twitter space tomorrow, like I said, um uh tomorrow, which is Thursday the eighth. Um, if you're listening to this on release day, join us tonight. If you're missing this and you're not listening till later sorry you missed it but 8 p.m pacific join me on the twitter space we'll uh talk about the stanley cup final so far and just do a little fun q a and hopefully i have some some news about a, a guest but i haven't heard anything back yet but hopefully by tomorrow i'll have something so join yeah. us then and we'll uh we'll talk about the sweatshirts so we can end this episode early okay but the tester has been ordered so Ooh. In a couple days, okay. I should I should have it so we can uh, I can take pictures and send to you guys because it's all happening, kids. Very excited, exciting times. Also, shout out Rooch for following us just now. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you very much. But yeah, we will uh, hopefully have an update on when we're recording next because that is kind of up in the air. But it is. <laughs> we uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Yep, thanks a lot. See you soon. I'm sad Ted Lasso is over. See ya.
You can follow Late Arrivals on both Twitter and Instagram at Late Arrivals Pod. If you feel so inclined, leaving a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts is a great way to show your support and is much appreciated. Take care.